In this podcast episode, we are going to talk about ARM CPUs. We're going to talk about their roots related to the legendary 6502. As some of our viewers might already know, we recently did a 6502 episode uh, that was very popular, uh, more than 100,000 views, uh, for which we are very grateful. Uh, the story of 6502 is described in that video. We're going to link it in, in the description as well. Basically, it starts in the late 70s. And if you fast forward to 1980s, uh, the team at Acorn Computers, led by a couple of people like Sophie Wilson and Steve Ferber, they set out to create a new processor architecture. And the ARM processors kind of inher inherited some of the 6502's design philosophy, embracing risk as a design criteria. Uh, and uh, having that in mind, risk, CISC, uh, uh, let's say differences are going to be a topic of uh, one of the future episodes. We don't need to go very deeply into that today. But basically what they did is by focusing on more of a, let's say, streamlined uh, instruction set and by optimizing for performance and power efficiency at the same time, they created CPUs that have their lineage to the um, ARM processors of today, which offers significant leap uh, forward in terms of computing uh, capabilities per watt. So with that being said, welcome to that IT show where talk meets tech and vice versa. Let's roll the intro. Okay. Okay. What's up? You are so, the arm man. So what are you going to start with? We're going to basically continue with uh, what we were talking about in 6502. Uh, act is act as if we already talked about that story almost fully, and then just switch towards what happened afterwards after that episode was done. Okay, so let's start with BBC Micro. Okay, that sounds actually reasonable. Because BBC Micro is the probably as the, the same thing as Minix uh, in the last <laughs> in the last uh, uh, in the last episode. Do you have one, perhaps? Which one? BBC Micro. No, 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 not yet. Not yet. What was your first ARM, by the way, based computing device? I was thinking about this for hours today. I know which one is mine. I have absolutely no idea. Nokia 6110. Could be. But I have absolutely no idea. I, I need to think about it because this is just uh, out of the blue. I have gotcha. absolutely no idea uh, which Nokia phone was the first one that was uh, ARM-based. I think it was 6110. No, no, but uh, for me. No, oh, for, for me. So, okay. so, so I need uh, I need to do the um, uh, Venn diagram of all the phones that Nokia did and all the phones that I used, <laughs> and then see what was what was the first one. That was awesome. Venn diagram, please don't. So, um, for the love of everything that's holy, don't. So, anyways, let's talk about Acorn, uh, and let's talk about BBC Micro, and let's talk about how ARM uh, first uh, was used, uh, more or less, to create the school computer. Mm -hmm. uh, because BBC had something called uh, a computer literacy program or uh, literacy, a digital literacy uh, project. Mm -hmm. And the idea was to create a home computer. And more or less everybody in the 80s uh, tried, to, tried doing that. Uh, here we had Galaxia, we had Aura, we had Galeb, we had uh, Evel, we had uh, a lot of Z80 or 6002 based computers. Mm -hmm. uh, BBC went the other way, or uh, more precisely, UK went the other way. Mm -hmm. They had Spectrums, they have, uh, among others, BBCs. And BBCs was basically repatched re or rebranded re uh, Acorns. Okay. Then there was something called the Acorn Archimedes, and this was uh, this was the actual ARM-based uh, computer that was uh, first thing, first tangible thing that the ARM Corporation did. Okay. And this was the probably the start of it all. And what is actually, uh, from my perspective, when I think about ARM, uh, what is actually uh, the most uh, surprising bit is that ARM never went out of uh, the spotlight, but nobody was actually looking at, uh, in their direction. There's so, a reason for that. Yes, because they did. They are not the celebrity corporation uh, from the United States. 
You think that's that? <laughs> I think this is one of the most important they reasons. They are not Instagram-based. <laughs> no, no, no. They're, they're just not trying to uh, be flashy. They know what they're doing. They have the knowledge. They have the IP. And they are able to uh, deploy the IP and uh, sell it to people who actually need embedded devices. And then after that, uh, low-powered devices. Okay, compared to today's Intel devices, everything is low-powered. But uh, selling low-powered devices, so... They got their um, start with the, in the educational market. They were able to continue uh, onwards, uh, just growing, developing, growing, developing, and uh, selling IP to other people. And mm -hmm. this is this is something that I don't know a lot of companies that do the, that did it uh, this way. I think that there are a couple of more reasons. Okay. Um, at that particular point in time, when uh, ARM as an idea was born the computer industry was much more heterogeneous than it was than what it is today absolutely absolutely we have the industry was kind of in the midst of finding finding its own footing in multiple different ways it was the uh, basically the start of the uh, kesk versus or sesc versus risk it was also um, the uh, let's say uh, much more uh, much more much more how should i put this it was way different in terms of the architecture because there were many architectures the intel wasn't there as the, the market leader back there then there wasn't or, the market leader yeah there yeah. it was much more spread out and as a result of that uh, 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 capable people at acorn we, they were actually looking for some kind of a uh, platform that they could use for their desktop computer and microcomputers they kind of stumbled partially upon the idea of creating a new CPU out of necessity. But the, 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 the way in which everything around them was structured at that time was vastly different. We need to acknowledge that. Today, this would be impossible to do. Yes, but also the uh, amount of knowledge uh, required uh, for uh, market entry was uh, much, 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 much smaller. Basically, you could get away with a small team of a couple of people and create your own processor. Mm -hmm. it, this was another way of, uh, and this was basically democracy in the uh, Silicon, uh, Silicon. Um, I would say Silicon Valley, but the in, in development Silicon. Okay. Because um, given enough money, uh, guys like you and me could start a company and create their own processor. The biggest difference was creating a processor that was actually uh, viable and the processor that has its own, uh, uh, I wouldn't say market share, but its own point in the uh, position in the market. So uh, creating a processor that was actually able to do something. You couldn't just create a general purpose processor and say, okay, okay, just I create the processor the way that people do, uh, do it uh, today. There is a very popular saying that comes uh, back from that era, which is something along the lines of, uh, that in the future, uh, there are going to be only two types of companies. The first type is going to be the companies that learn to design the silicon and the others that went bust. Probably, yes. Probably, yes. Because, uh, but I wouldn't call it design. Uh, learn to... Uh, design on silicon, for example. Let's call it that way. Yes. Uh, mm, I would call it more of a redesign. Because I'm fully expecting that AI is going to be uh, playing a major role in redesign of uh, a lot of silicon uh, on the market today. Uh, part okay, it already has a, in a lot of play in, in, in the redesign of all the silicon on the market today. But uh, I see that the role is going to be even bigger, mm -hmm. so that the teams will probably going to get smaller, and this means that you're going to get uh, a lot of agile teams that are, be, are going to be able to redesign everything. And having ARM on the market and having their own uh, idea of uh, selling you the IP and then helping you design your own chip mm -hmm. is something that is going to create even more uh, competition on the market. And this is this is fun for me. This is fun for me. It's always good. Because let's skip all history and let's talk about today. M1, no, no, we're going to M2. talk about a couple of pieces. Yeah, yeah of yes, history, but, but okay. I, I just yes. wanted to skip over and then we're going, we're going to go back to the history. Mm -hmm. But... Uh, M1, M2, M3. Uh, Non-existent M3. Uh, okay. Soon to be. It, it, it exists. Mm -hmm. It exists. It's just waiting to be uh, manufactured. Uh, uh, Project Volterra, mm -hmm. uh, Microsoft's. Uh, basically, the entire Android uh, ecosystem, uh, the entire iPhone ecosystem, it's all ARM. Mm -hmm. So you have the uh, silicon out there. You have the solutions out there. And right now, 
I wouldn't want to be Intel. And, uh, oh, need, I agree. Need, uh, and I wouldn't want to be uh, AMD either. Agreed. Because they have come to a point where they are creating amazing technology that is completely stuck in a dead end. And they need to quickly, they need to quickly redesign what they are trying to do. Why do you think that is? Uh, mainly because they are aiming for the general purpose market. They are still aiming for the general purpose market. You think that the computing market is going back to specialization? Yes, 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 okay. yes, yes. You need to have, uh, take a look at what uh, Apple has. Uh, uh, ignore M cores, A cores, S cores, Q cores, P cores, and so on. They have different cores uh, for uh, iPhones, different cores for iPads, different cores for uh, uh, MacBooks, different cores for uh, iWatches, and so on, and so on, and so on. They even have different ARM cores designed just for the headphones. Mm -hmm. So Apple Apple iPods uh, have a processor in each uh, headphone. Mm -hmm. So they are just separate computing devices, mm -hmm. however you call it. So uh, having a specialized core and having a specialized uh, uh, specialized part of silicon that you can combine with other, uh, other uh, things, and this is what uh, ARM has been doing for the last 20 years or so, is something that's going to drive the market on. And AMD and Intel are stuck in the general purpose uh, CPU market right now. They're trying to get away, but their idea of getting away is a problem. We have to talk about the, those things as well, maybe as a separate episode. Yes, but, but no, would, no, not today. Not, not today. today. I would argue that, uh, our, uh, that AMD already tried to go into that direction heavily in the past. If you remember, I think it was called Skybridge. Mm -hmm. They bought a company that they, they wanted to basically create heterogeneous chips that include that includes H, uh, uh, x86 and ARM cores on the same silicon. But that went bust, if I remember correctly. So they already tried to go there, maybe even to, uh, to kind of like um, participate in this future that's coming after them in a sense. But that wasn't all that successful. Intel, on the other hand, has bought heavily into RISC-V. In the past couple of years, so that's also one of one potential path to the future. Um, we are going to see, but let's go back now. Let's go back to the history and let's go back to the past of the ARM, and let's start talking about what ARM actually is, because uh, sometimes people don't understand what Acorn or ARM or uh, ARM Corporation or what do they sell. People don't understand that they don't actually sell uh, sell uh, CPUs. Yeah. They don't even manufacture CPUs. Correct. You cannot buy an ARM CPU uh, from ARM. CPU from ARM. Mm -hmm. You can fabulous. yes, you can go to ARM. You can say, "I want a CPU. I have this specification, whatever." They're going to go and uh, give you a IP, so intellectual intellectual property designed chip, and then they're going to help you redesign your own idea into the silicon, so that Risk the Risk has very similar approach. Yes, okay, mm -hmm. but okay. the ARM is the successful one. At, at least so far, yes, I would absolutely agree with you. But uh, going back to our 6502 episode, okay. do you remember that I asked you for a bit of trivia there? No. 6502, a famous cartoon, Bender. Oh, okay. Okay. There is a little bit of a trivia related to the first ARM CPU as well. Do you okay. know which one? No. When they tried to test it, they forgot to power it on. And it was being as a low voltage, low wattage chip. It was basically being powered from not from the power inputs, but from basically the signal inputs. It so, was so still ba working basically from the from the from thin air in a sense uh, from, from the measuring uh, measuring uh, device equipment. Yes. Yes. Okay. Okay. I I read that and I was like, that's really fascinating. How low power that that chip is then? By yes, design. because if you if you take a look at, uh, can you throw a graphics in uh, on the transistor density of the CPUs? If you take a look at the transistor density, and you know the graph that I'm referring to because yes. uh, we have it in a lot of the lectures, uh, you can see that the arm for a long time arm was uh, riding along on the way of not trying to uh, cram too many transistors into the CPU. And they were able to be successful, although they were more or less an order or two orders of magnitude uh, smaller on, uh, based on transistor count than the other uh, CISC brethren. So uh, this was completely, I wouldn't say not normal uh, way of doing things, okay. but at the same time, it was obviously successful. 
The first chip had 25,000 transistors. Yes, yes, yes. But, but it, it, everybody had, uh, had uh, something around uh, 20,000 transistors. But later, uh, AMD didn't push for the transistor count. They were pushing for the, they were trying to develop a, a chip that is going to be smaller. I don't Not really AMD know. the ARM. ARM, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, I don't know if the idea was the ARM uh, to be smaller because they couldn't create a better chip. No, no, there was another reason. It's uh, very easy to understand. Yes. So apart from the fact that it's a design criteria, we talk about that okay. a lot on computer architecture. There was another design criteria, which was as, uh, exceptionally important for people who were designing the CPU. And that was related to packaging. Okay. Because they wanted to package it in plastic, not in ceramic chip. Okay. And the difference in price between those two is basically two orders of magnitude. Like a small percent, uh, let's say a fraction of a tenth of a cent, that's how much it costs to package a chip in plastic versus a couple of tens of dollars in ceramic. That's one of the reasons. Yes, because the, okay, okay, but the, the entire process is then different and uh, everything else is different. But it's a major reason why they went in the direction of low wattage because the plastic as a heat spreader or whatever you want to call it, as sucks. a medium, basically sucks. It, it can handle one watt or two watts. I, I heard some information about, let's say, in the current state of technology, plastic chips can dissipate something like two watts. But that's and I know that you can, you can, you can cheat. You can uh, put a piece of uh, ceramics into in the plastic and then uh, heat spread it over the but back then, chip. That was not available. But back then, it wasn't needed. Yeah. Because uh, the idea of having a chip that is going to be a couple of watts is what something that actually was doable. Mm -hmm. Today, today, if your design criteria is uh, two watts of uh, uh, TDP, you are going to have a tough time to fit everything on the chip. Can I go on a tangent for a second? Of course, you're going to do. You are. Uh, you basically said uh, a couple of minutes ago that this is a very interesting topic for you. Yes. Can you understand now why I wanted us to do computer architecture? No. Exactly. I have, I have absolutely no idea why. Exactly because of that, yeah. Yes, but um, uh, for, for me, uh, the start of the processor architecture uh, and the computer architecture as such, so the late 60s, start of the 70s, 70s, maybe start of the 80s, so th those 15 years or so, mm -hmm. were not only the uh, time where people were developing new technologies, mm -hmm. but also they didn't have the time to standardize them. They just created technology, pushed it out of, uh, out of the door, uh, kept on creating, kept on, kept on designing and so on. And it worked. And it worked. And it worked. This was the other thing. And the, other, the, the thing that the market was uh, expecting was anything. They didn't have a predetermined idea of what do they want. So you could uh, get away with different UIs, different uh, processors, different architectures. Uh, you could start from scratch if you wanted to. Uh, you just needed to make uh, your own market share and you need, needed to create your own, I would say, group of uh, developers that is going to uh, follow you in your own new architecture mm -hmm. and then uh, create software for you. This was the thing that was actually interesting for people. Have you ever heard of a company back then in 70s and 80s and 60s uh, doing uh, what we call a respin of a chip or two or three? Mm, 6502 is probably fits in this, in this uh, market because they did, they did, uh, um, but it was not a respin. It was, it was. Uh, understand my point? Yes, it was. It was uh, basically uh, not Different a version of not chips. a completely redesigned. It was redesigned in order to accommodate a few things that uh, people needed, but the redesign was not complete. Yes, and that's uh, so. My point is that uh, the chips and the way in which they were designed back then was much more uh, of a, a thought-out process than at times today. This is one thing, or. One could say that designing a chip uh, back way then was um, not so thought out, but uh, you had to do it. So we just packaged something, uh, learned on the mistakes, uh, created another chip, and that was it. Yeah, but the, and the learning process back then was probably much more exponential than what it is today. The law of diminishing returns. Yes, 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 yes. Okay. Cool. Also, the naming conventions. Yeah. The naming conventions uh, for the interrupts, the naming conventions for RQs or uh, whatever they call them, come from different chips. Uh, there was no uh, there was no naming convention for a, a lot of things, so they needed to create something.
the the most amazing thing for me is that word is not a word uh, word is not eight bytes or 16 bytes or whatever bytes uh, people claim you claim it, it to be it is what it is yeah. based on the chip that you are uh, they are trying to standardize it now based on the uh, architecture and primarily on the uh, based on the language that you use but okay. back way then a word was whatever 13 bytes if you had if you had a chip design that, 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 that way yeah that can back it up okay so this was this was another this was another um, way of thinking and this was another uh, environment to work in and let's see how arm fit it into this environment so they started with uh, uh, computers and uh, systems not computer system designed for uh, education mm -hmm. Their own start was Archimedes, their own start was a uh, processor because they created those processors and they were manufacturing them uh, back then. Mm -hmm. And then go on with the Digital story. Digital assistants, uh, embedded systems. Okay, it, it was it was the future that uh, people from Europe uh, probably know from different uh, British-based and French-based uh, documentaries and the series. Um, bright future, future now, whatever, uh, future connections, whatever they were called. Mm -hmm. um, and those uh, TV programs were promising whole new ideas, whole new idea, new whole new computers. Uh, ideas of doing things um, a few of them uh, kept actually uh, actually appeared a lot of them were just basically whatever uh, was thought out in the studio and uh, <laughs> fit fit the fit the bill to be uh, filmed that day but uh, I I will say that this is a much more interesting time to be uh, to be alive uh, w uh, while designing the technology agreed because steering Technology right now is like steering a uh, oil tanker. Mm -hmm. You cannot create uh, quick changes. What you can do is you can try to change the course of whatever you're doing, and then wait for a couple of years to uh, to see what what is going to happen. Okay, and then all the way through the eighties came, let's say, the end of the eighties and beginning of the nineties when they were spun off as a separate business unit. Okay, um, uh, that was what we uh, nowadays call ARM, Advanced Risk Machines. And that was spun off because uh, Acorn realized that that's probably they realized on a corporate level that that's the way to do it. And actually, it was a very good conclusion uh, that they kind of came to because Acorn went bust, in a sense, and ARM is still alive today, 40 years afterwards. Basically, that's a major, major difference. And you can see that the forethought and how, how, uh, how much more thoughtful people were back then in terms of spinning off their businesses and creating an uh, let's say an uh, environment in which um, uh, one business unit doesn't have to necessarily depend on the other etc it was way different back then but as we said uh, especially in the uk market you could do a lot of things quickly Mm -hmm. uh, new technologies new products could be developed uh, could be developed uh, from zero to the market in a matter of probably a few months there is a there is tape out of the cpus was something that took a couple of months but yeah you could have done it in let's say four or five months or something yes basically like that, yeah. the same time it takes for the to prepare the pr campaign for a product today yeah so um, <laughs> for a good pr agency <laughs> yes so this is this is another this is another time so uh Okay, let's let's uh, walk uh, people through uh, the uh, what ARM did because they first started uh, working with Apple. Nineteen ninety three. Newton. I think that it was it was uh, as they as they sp spun off from the um, uh, from the uh, uh, Acorn. Acorn, and when they got to the stock exchange. So when they were incorporated on the stock uh, stock market, I think this was the time when they had. Uh, 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 they got investments from uh, multiple companies. Yes, 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 yes because they were, they were interesting and uh, the interested par uh, parties usually wanted to create their own silicon. Uh, I think that Apple is probably one of the wisest, wisest mm -hmm. companies out there because they were willing to bet on creating both the hardware and the software. Mm -hmm. uh, okay, sometimes it made sense, sometimes it didn't, but 
Uh, I'd say that their their bets were mostly cashed in in a positive way. Yes, for their them. their bets. Okay, Hugely. they they they, uh, they ran into a few uh, problems along the way. They created a, a complete lines of computers that didn't work. But mm -hmm. uh, as a net uh, result, we see where Apple is today. So yeah. uh, their their bets usually uh, paid, off. paid off. Yeah, I agree. With so you they started with the, they started with the. Uh, I'm taking a look at the Wikipedia article because I'm lazy. Um, I just wanted to. Uh, no, I just wanted to um, get. Uh, uh, and how does that make you feel? Lazy. <laughs> um, uh, basically, I just wanted to uh, not make, make a mistake, and uh, I was trying to remember what the uh, primary licensees were, mm -hmm. because I know that Deck was using a yes. Deck was using an ARM. Uh, they had a whole lineage of uh, RISC CPUs back then, yeah. Yes, and then they were they were uh, trying to develop uh, the, uh, different things. Uh, they were trying to develop uh, develop uh, ARM processors, basically up till up till to the end of the nineties, nineteen ninety nine, mm -hmm. and then they switched over to a new line of uh, processors, and this is probably start of the two thousands and uh, end of the nineties uh, uh, is where the ARM really got off yeah really took off they, yes because they they um then they started uh creating mobile phones mm -hmm. and small devices but it was the right time it was the uh, like confluence of multiple different things that led to that they were uh, positioned well on the market from the perspective of low power usage in their designs which were they were smart about and the market was moving towards that direction and the popularity of internet and mobile phones all of that kind of like um, in a sense that all of that combined created the situation and the ecosystem that we have today. Yes, okay, but uh, I need to just point out that what, whatever we are talking about here is usually survivor's bias. Uh, we are talking about <laughs> companies that made it. Yeah. So, yes, the ARM was the company that made it because they were in the right place at the right time. We don't remember the companies that weren't at the right place at the right time. Yes, we do. Um let me just go with an attention uh, back there. Uh, beginning of the uh, 2000s, uh, there was a, a mobile phone called Sidekick. Uh -huh. That was probably because for some reason or the other, I like my mobile phones with the keyboard. Uh, it was uh, uh, Blackberry be before the Blackberry. It, I like it, was, it already. Uh, the idea of it was, uh, was okay. And uh, it was all the craze in the States mm -hmm. for a limited time. And then... Basically, I don't know what happened to them. They just went under for some reason or the other. Yeah. Sidekick was a fun was a fun phone. Yeah, I'm going to put it in, in the picture. So yes, okay. So, so, but uh, my tangent is uh, we don't remember the losers. We remember, we remember the, the Nokia. We remember Motorola. No, Nokia we was not. We remember Intel's tries. No, no, Nokia was not the loser. Nokia was just uh, somebody. How, who, it, how wasn't it? They just married the wrong company. No, I, I'm not trying to diss on them. I use their phones religiously to tell. The, I think that uh, the, there is there is a lot of a lot of uh, similarities between what twi happened to Twitter and what happened to Nokia, uh, or Nokia and some other companies. Yes. Yes. Basically, the stock market said, "Okay, uh, we can cash in on the cash in on the craze right now." Uh, being it uh, Elon Musk or Microsoft, whatever, uh, just sell the company, everything is going to be okay. And then the when the, then the company went bust. I love the way in which you oversimplify it and uh, under exaggerate everything. Yes, but uh, as as the Elon says, uh, let that sink in. Uh, the idea is that uh, a lot of companies, especially the companies that are uh, only looking for uh stock going up uh taking care of all the stockholders and so on shareholders uh, uh, shareholders or stockholders to be more precise because i don't care about shares sometimes uh, they're just caring about uh, who has the, uh, the actual stock mm -hmm. uh the voting stock mm -hmm. uh sometimes they end up like blackberry or nokia or um, so we like remember this. the losers yes we remember the losers but nokia was not the loser Blackberry definitely was. Blackberry was a loser because they did. I'm they? very sad about that. Yes, but the I think that we should do a complete episode on Blackberry. No problem. I have all of them in, uh, that were popular back then. At least four or five devices, different. I think I have at least six of them. Um, but That's the awesome. the problem is the problem with Blackberry was that they consistently made wrong uh, calls on everything that they decided on. 
No, I think that they made all of the right calls that they considered to be the right calls, which was not what the market wanted. Yes, yeah, so basically they made uh, completely wrong calls on everything that they were trying to decide <sighs> on. Potato, potato. Yeah, so, okay, like, okay, let's go back to the ARM. <laughs> okay. Because ARM was more or less behind uh, everything that Nokia did. Mm -hmm. ARM was behind everything that general purpose uh, uh, mobile phone market did. Uh, A lot of other devices as well. Uh, unlimited, TVs. Unlimited amount of devices. Yes, unlimited amount of devices. Uh, down to traffic lights. Yes. So uh, all the TVs, all the smart devices, all the not headphones, so smart devices, headphones, headphones uh, router, switches, whatever. Yes, I think that the only the only company that I know that uh, probably has more devices uh, or the companies that have more devices uh, on their side are the companies that are dealing with uh, microprocessors. Mm -hmm. So PIC and whatever, uh, PICs uh, and Motorola's of the world that create their own uh, microprocessors, but they are lagging behind ARM right now because ARM has more or less a solution for everything. And they had a solution for everything besides the normal desktop up until now. Well, let's talk about ARM being a solution for everything at the end of the episode, if it's okay. not a problem. I, I do have a couple of uh, questions that I want to ask you to see where you stand. Okay, so the, the 60, yeah, it was 6110. It was a super successful phone, ARM 7 based. And I don't know how many they sold, but it was back then, um, you know, Nokia was the king of the hill. Yes. By, by a country mile. No, so that that was what it is, and by basically, if we take the it, take the timeline approach, and if we go to 1997, this is strictly uh, this is directly from Arm's webpage, by the way. They've grown to basically create a very very lucrative private business with income. They started generated positive income. That's good, and they also considered at that particular time to float the company on the on the stock market, which you which you mentioned. So that was in 1998, somewhere in the in the spring of 1998, they went to London Stock Exchange and NASDAQ and whatnot. whatnot. But uh, as you alluded before, uh, and I think that's the most fundamental part of the story, the story of ARM is not the story of necessarily producing chips. It is about producing partnerships. Yes, because the, uh, I just looked up uh, because I wasn't sure. Uh, Nokia 61610 uh, was uh, the arm was produced by Texas Instruments. Mm -hmm. So this is another partnership that they made. Yes. Uh, and this is this is what makes arm so strong. Mm -hmm. They have a partner ecosystem that is probably unrivaled. Right yes. Now. And the other thing is that they can work with uh, a lot of companies creating a lot of different things. And they're able to provide uh, for the companies that they're working with and still make them feel special. Mm -hmm. And this is something that is uh, hard to hard to uh, explain to people who are outside of this market. Uh, it's tough to be able to uh, sell uh, to competitors in the market uh, the same thing, repackage it so that all the competitors uh, feel happy and get the money from everybody who's in the market. Not yeah, only. they're smart about that. Yes, yes. Yeah. Then they started the migration towards a little bit more, let's say, current day technology, synthesizable cores and whatnot. In 2005, they created the Cortex cores, uh, ARM9, ARM11 families came after that and all of that. And in 2008 was one of the biggest milestones in the history of ARM, which is when they started switching to multi-core. Yes. Hugely important because the smartphone market back then was really something that was growing like crazy. It still is to this very day. And the, the way in which performance was achieved it is the same story as Intel and AMD went through some years ago before that. Uh, it wasn't all that long ago, but the same story with Intel and AMD started 2005, 2006, 2004, depending on which CPUs we are talking. So they started with the um, idea of big little back then as well and that's the uh, let's say in the in the acronym world big little would be something that we could describe by uh, using let's say metaphors of intel sp and e cores and many other things like that on the market although the idea of these bigger cores that are good for serial stuff and smaller cores that are good for parallel stuff which is where the design of cpu is today yes. right now as we speak about it this is not only not new this is decades old. 
Yes, even the old IBM Power uh, CPUs and the uh, older supercomputers back from 60s and 70s had the same approach to achieving performance. But the other thing is that they uh, managed to do the seamless integration of uh, different chips for different market segments, but different functions. Mm -hmm. They enabled you to uh, seamlessly integrate Bluetooth, uh, wireless, uh, 5G, 4G, 3G, and so on. Uh, in such a way that you as a manufacturer could more or less go buy a chip uh, and create a mobile phone around it mm -hmm. uh, in a couple of months without uh, unnecessary uh, time waste. Uh, and by unnecessary, I usually mean uh, redesigning parts of the chip, redesigning parts of the technology or the, the, the motherboards and so on. So, uh, they enabled manufacturers to create cheaper mobile phones. Mm -hmm. They also enabled uh, Apple and all the other people to create uh, premium mobile phones. Mm -hmm. And this is their strength. They're, they're just giving you the ingredients to create a dish. Mm -hmm. uh, it's up to you to create a dish. Okay, and spice it up with whatever you want. Yes, yes, that's, yes. That's yes. exceptionally important for wh where they are today and what's going to happen in the future for them as well. Yeah, I agree. Okay, so after all of that, uh, we had a short discussion about the uh, partnership model. We talked a little bit about the way in which the ecosystem of ARM partners nowadays, I think I read the number, more than 1,000 companies are a part of the, their partner ecosystem, which, I mean, it speaks for itself. That means that there are like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of companies producing, um, let's say, a system on a chip type of designs based on the ARM course, which is definitely un un unrivaled now, right now. I would just go with, uh, if I see that somebody is producing a chip, mm -hmm. and if I see that the, the, this chip is going to be a risk, I'm going to assume it's going to be an ARM. Because there there are no other overtly risk CPUs right now on the, on the market. We're not talking about the underpinnings and yes. something that happens inside. That's a topic for another day, because... And uh, what people think are CISC CPUs today are not necessarily just CISC CPUs like Intel and uh, AMD. But and even th them are trying to, they are trying to become a risk if, if at all possible. And th there are, there are so many topics to cover there, but that's going to be something for some of the next episodes and multiple ones because it's undoable. In yes. One of them because the, 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 the wealth of information that exists about this is enormous. And over the years, the accumulation of all of the information also means that we have to filter it out and put it in some kind of a, let's say, consistent episode. So okay. I don't want to go there today, but it is what it is. Uh, I read an, uh, uh, a piece of information, I think yesterday, something like there are 22 million ARM cores entering the market every day. Mm, I remember that there was an information about uh, currently something like 180 billion ARM cores running currently uh, in, the, in the world. Uh, but these are the numbers that make no sense. Yeah. Uh, I know that around us, uh, first and foremost, in your mobile phone, you have probably 15 of them. Uh, around us right now in this room is probably 50 or 60 of them. Inside every 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 TV, every camera, every um, even on the even on the actual Intel uh, based yeah, laptops, for a variety of subsystems, for, for a variety of subsystems mobile phones, uh, air conditioners, whatever. So, uh, ARM is almost everywhere, mm -hmm. and the only thing that we need to talk about is uh, their arrival on the desktop market or on the laptop market. I agree. For the desktop story to be told, and actually we are going to go and discuss some other parts of the market, uh, various different types of designs, we have to talk about the NVIDIA ARM story as well. NVIDIA tried to uh, buy ARM. They started the proceedings, I think at the end of 2020 or something like that. They wanted to buy, buy that from SoftBank, which mostly owned ARM. They, tr they offered something like 40 billion dollars in cash stocks combination thereof whatever but the problem is that the the deal was rejected nvidia wasn't able to buy them and there are a couple of ideas floating around that they're going to go public and ipo and i don't know whatever it's going to happen 
when that happened in two, two, uh, 2020, my first initial impulse was, and I'm being brutally honest here, so I'm not going to sugarcoat this. This is NVIDIA's way of trying to make sure that they finish Intel and bury them. Mm, you see where I'm going with this? Yes, but... And I'm not saying that I like that. I'm just saying that as a fact. But this is one of those things that uh, in today's market, uh, I had a discussion a couple of days ago with a student of ours. Mm -hmm. uh, and I was trying to explain uh, how licensing works in today's market. Uh, there you should is, have directed the guy to, to watch our episode. Yes, but uh, the, the only thing that uh, I don't understand is how is this market even feasible? Because everybody has uh, something licensed from everybody else. Mm -hmm. uh, huge lumps of cash are changing hands every month uh, based on units uh, sold. So uh, a thing like uh, let's buy this company in order to uh, make uh, other companies' uh, life a living nightmare is something that is used, uh, norm normal on the stock market. Normal. Normal, yes. And the... Uh, I think we both disagree with this idea in general. Yes, yes, yes. In, in, in general principle, is. This, is, this is the stupidest idea uh, possible. It is but, very bad for everybody. Yes, but right now, uh, some of the companies or some of the brands that we know uh, wouldn't even exist if it, uh, if, it, if it wasn't for the arrangements like this. For example, Firefox wouldn't exist mm -hmm. if, if the Google w wouldn't be able to uh, pay them whatever hundreds of millions of dollars uh, to make the default search engine Google. So this is something that is uh, both normal on the market, stock market, and something that is uh, just part of the capitalism. So, okay, Nvidia tried to buy ARM, buy ARM but at the same time, uh, a lot of regulatory problems uh, became out of it. And I think that uh, from ARM's perspective, this wouldn't make too much sense because they were in the agreement. Uh, they weren't in a position to make the decision because they were owned by a bank who wanted to sell it. So they, they weren't even a, a th like a thought in the process. Okay, but uh, I think that uh, I just read the uh, news press release that was announcing the end of the discussion about uh, NVIDIA buying There's, ARM. They're still going to probably spin off parts of that company and it's still going to be sold like via public offering or IPO or I don't know what combination thereof. I'm not into financial markets, don't care. But uh, I think that uh, nobody right now, because uh, ARM is right now basically uh, neck deep in, in the market. They are dealing the uh, IP uh, or the cores or the designs for new chips for practically everything, uh, everybody uh, up to and probably including Intel. Okay. I wouldn't be surprised that Intel is buying a little, a little bit of uh, ARM uh, technology on the side. Could be completely normal. Uh, so uh, I don't see them uh, trying to uh, cash in and trying to be a player that is going to be uh, dedicated to just one brand. So Nvidia being Nvidia, Apple being Apple, I don't think that they are going to sell themselves. Uh, but and I don't see. I don't think that the the bank that owns them is going to sell them. You understand where I was going? Yes, with yes, this. yes, yes, yes. I think that Nvidia saw the writing on the wall. They want to go into the, uh, let's say, not necessarily system on the chip market. They were already there. They already had many designs from Tegra onwards, but uh, they kind of decided that they needed a CPU let's say, as a platform so that they can build their products on top of that and then create their own system designs. That's why they bought Mellanox and many other companies as well. And the, the, the way in which we went about it was uh, to basically go uh, after the only available, uh, let's say, CPU. Uh, I wouldn't say manufacturer because they're not a manufacturer, they're a platform. So CPU platform that was available out there because RISC-V ain't going to be sold anytime soon if uh, they are to be asked. And NVIDIA surely can buy Intel or AMD. That that much is obvious. I don't know how much the, all of that has to do with American politics in terms of they want, them wanting to control the instruction sets, which seems, sounds completely reasonable from their perspective as well. But I was surprised when they, they that deal fell through. I think it fell through because of the regulatory complaints in US. Uh, probably, yes. And the other thing is that... Which uh, was weird. Uh, the other thing that is weird is that uh, both ARM and NVIDIA said that they are uh, continuing their relationship and so on and so on and so on. 
but hence what's happening these days with uh, the grasshopper and yeah, many other designs that we grace grace and hopper yes uh, but uh, but the, the 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 thing that was actually uh strange to me is that under the deal and when everything was uh, fell through uh nvidia was in the uh, in the red with something like 1.2 uh, billion dollars prepaid for the arm mm -hmm. so they basically lost the money mm -hmm. a lot of money and nobody blinked mm -hmm. this means that uh this deal was a strategic deal that everybody understood that uh, is not going to happen and nobody was paying any attention to it and interesting and the other thing is that grace grace and hopper so the different uh, technologies that uh, nvidia uh, grace is the interesting one the army 9 based uh, processor but uh, they came on the market a couple of weeks ago mm -hmm. uh, that was heavily being uh, developed uh, back way then when they were doing this uh, transaction. idea yes mm -hmm. so okay. this transaction was uh, going on in parallel with the grace design or the design of the new arm chip uh, for nvidia mm -hmm. and i think that this nvidia chip is going to make a big deal i absolutely agree with you uh, nvidia is kicking some serious ass in a lot of the markets and making a booboo in many others i'm I'm just wondering why is right now uh, ARM not getting the market share they deserve on the laptop and on the uh, desktop market? What is happening and why is Microsoft keeping, uh, keeping back and trying not to anger Intel? I strongly suspect that there is uh, some, some there is some some deal uh, back end deal or back hand deal uh, between Microsoft and Intel uh, that Microsoft is just they have all the cards prepared everything has is in place they have Windows on ARM they have uh, Visual Code Visual Studio uh, C++ code uh, you are .NET. able to completely compile .NET six .NET seven I checked. Uh, so there is no reason they have Project Volterra. Yeah, yeah, that that was the uh, fish and the hook thing. Yes, so they have the entire ecosystem prepared. Mm -hmm. They are already uh, able to uh, uh, cross-execute uh, x86 code on the ARM processors. Mm -hmm. They are able to. Uh, Apple showed that to be working perfectly well. Yes, there is a, there is a ARM 64 EC, I think. Uh, so basically uh, emulator um, emulation emulation code or em emulated code that is able to uh, both uh, cross execute code of code, code from x64 and also um, natively execute parts of the code that are already uh, recompiled and reuse this instead of the x86 code i think that our very near future might involve a lot of recompiling Yes, not but our personal, but for the companies that produce software right, right for now, the market. I don't see for a normal, for a normal, normal company. I don't know uh, Office, uh, Windows, uh, Internet. That's it. I see no reason why not switch today. The only reason is that we don't have the hardware uh, right now on the market, or the hardware is too uh, too expensive. You know what? I I have one more input into this. Yes, you you may disagree with this. You might disagree with this, but I do have some experience with this. I've been using Android tablets for quite a while. Uh, I started with some first earlier versions of uh, Android tablets, which came back in the day. Then I, uh, I also got the Asus Transformer Prime or whatever it's called with uh, NVIDIA Tegra. Yes. And I have a couple of others. And we joked about never giving yes, away. Yes, our, yes, yes, yes. We, we strongly uh, actually agree on that, that you were never going to give an Android tablet like secondhand thing to anybody that you like or want to stay friends with. And I, I'm completely with you on that. The user experience of using those uh, tablets so far is very fresh in my memory, and it sucked. Okay, but let's not confuse the user experience of the Android and the uh, ARM architecture because uh, iPad is also an ARM architecture. Okay. So I don't see I don't see a problem there. I do because uh, iPad it works as a tablet and Android doesn't. Yes, but uh, this is the user experience and the uh, optimization of the operating system thing. It's but not the user experience sells. Yes, I know. On desktop, but I don't see I don't see anybody. Uh, you, I don't have the problem on desktop because uh, Windows exists. 
I, I just I, need I think a... Windows 3.1, Windows 95, and many others elegantly prove that the user experience is the king. Yes, but Windows 11 exists for the ARM. Windows 10 exists for the ARM. Mm -hmm. So and you nobody can... nobody uses it. Nobody uses it because there is no hardware on the desktop. Okay. Uh, the, there are uh, many, 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 many different laptop designs on ARM. Yes, but uh, can you name one that is successful? There was a Samsung one which I really liked. Actually. Okay, MacBook Air, but but uh, no, 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 MacBook. no, please no. Okay. No, uh, I I don't think that uh, I read articles about uh, Windows for ARM not working on uh, Apple's devices, so let's not go there. We'll I'm see. Not sure. Maybe I'm not up to date. Of course. Okay. Anyways, let's go. Let's continue our uh, praise of ARM. Praise of ARM. Praise of ARM. Yes. Okay. In what way do you want to continue that appraisal? Uh, or appraisal. I want to see, I, I want to understand what is going to happen uh, on the market in, let's say, three to five years. I want to see, uh, do we have a consensus on, are we going to see a lot more motherboards that are going to be uh, ARM-based? Yes. Are we going to see motherboards that are going to be ARM-based? Because we know that Intel has a lot of agreements with uh, motherboard manufacturers, mm -hmm. uh, trying to stop them from manufacturing AM too, too many AMDs, I don't know, uh, too but many if ARMs. You say so. Yes, but we, th that was that was a talk of a lot of conferences and okay. uh, a lot of places um, didn't confirm, but also didn't deny that uh, such uh, agreements exist. Okay. Let me stop you there. Yes. And uh, yesterday it was, or two days ago, it was announced that uh, um, SROC yes. is making a motherboard for the, for uh, Ampere. So oh, great. Yes. Great. Yes. So, okay. Yes. The answer to your question is yes. Uh, when do we get one? You can probably buy one in, in a couple of weeks. Because it's going to be cheaper than buying Raspberry Pi. No, the motherboard is going to be cheap. The the CPUs are very expensive because they are a very high number of core. CPUs. Ah, okay, okay. But on the other hand, uh, Raspberry Pis have a low low core count and still they're expensive. Mm, yeah, or you can buy them if, if if you can buy them. If you can buy them, yeah. But we're gonna go go back to the discussion about Ampere a little bit later. But basically, I think here is my standpoint, and feel free to shoot it down. Like. There are two things that are going to happen in the next three to five years if you're talking about that time period. Either ARM is going to break on the desktop or not. I don't have a crystal ball. I don't know. Okay. But what I'm sure of is that they already broke the market uh, on the server side and the cloud side heavily. And that's going to continue. Especially uh, with with the Ampere designs and stuff yes, like I'm, I completely agree because uh, right even now, Gigabyte has designs with with those things. Huawei has them for years. Uh, I see that first with the ramping up of the machine learning, artificial intelligence, whatever uh, massive scalar uh, vector uh, designs that are more or less intended to do a lot of parallel uh, computing mm -hmm. there is simply no other solution other than using arm um, you could easily use x86 for that but it becomes the question of uh, whether or not that's sufficient the problem is that you cannot uh, normally use because you need uh, higher uh, processor density higher core, the higher the core density with the lower power uh, demands Yesterday, I read a paper about the viability of still developing x86-based CPUs and uh, acceleration engines inside of them for AIML. There are some very, let's say, promising things coming out of that pipeline in the future as well. So I don't think the, the whole stack of cards is dealed yet, but it's leaning heavily towards the idea of what NVIDIA is doing. Yes, but I think that the most most promising point is the sub-kilowatt uh, uh, per per unit uh, ability of the new Grace and Hopper technologies, mm -hmm. because they enable you to mm, be, I wouldn't say order of magnitude, but five to seven times uh, uh, less power hungry for the same amount of performance. And this is something that is most important right now when we don't have uh, enough data centers uh, getting up and running in the near future. So exchanging the hardware is going to be the only way to grow and having a hardware that is able to be uh, five times or seven times more um, energy efficient is going to be a big thing. 
hence the reason why I'm doing that research for PhD. Yes. Uh, actually, while, when we, you said five to seven times, uh, here comes another bit of trivia for you. How many times was the uh, first ARM CPU after it was taped out faster than BBC Micro? Absolutely no idea. 25 times. Okay. As they engineered it on a piece of paper when they did the, uh, the design in computer, basically, they kind of uh, calculated the memory bandwidth and calculated it's going to be roughly 25 times faster, which it was. Very precise engineering. A little bit of trivia. Okay. Okay. Anyways, cool. uh, anyways, uh, cloud computing is on the ARM side right now. Uh, desktop is heavily leaning towards ARM. Uh, by desktop, I mean notebooks. Because we need to make uh, one thing perfectly, perfectly clear. Right now, ARM is the most interested, uh, interesting to people who are using notebooks. Mm -hmm. uh, simply for the power uh, uh, for the power efficiency, because people like notebooks that are able to work for twenty hours. This is the most basic human thing. I don't want to plug in my notebook. If Apple uh, produced a laptop based on their current ARM-based designs that had a battery that could last forty, sixty, eighty, hundred hours, whatever, I would pay whatever amount of money for that. I'm, okay. I'm, I'm on the opposite end of extreme about that. I completely agree with you. It might not be something that everybody agrees with, but it would be awesome if we could do not a full day, but a whole week of work without carrying uh, adapters around, which uh, th those things annoy the hell out of me. Yes, I know. And this is one of the one of those things that uh, is normal for the uh, normal for the new generation of the ARM based uh, laptops. And this is uh, the battery life in that is measured in twenty to uh, twenty plus range of uh, hours, mm -hmm. and this is something what people actually require. Uh, I'm fine with uh, people using uh, a new design on the Apple to be able to uh, do things more quickly, mm -hmm. but I think that another thing is that um, uh, 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 you want to be able to be autonomous. Yes. And the only thing that I'm missing with the new generation of Apple laptops and uh, all the other things is the ability to uh, incorporate the 5G uh, technology into the laptop itself. But this is a topic for another. Uh, that is an excellent point. Never thought about that. That's an excellent point. Because if you have a, if you have a 15 or plus uh, hour laptop, I want to be able to completely be dissociated from my mobile phone. I don't want to have a hotspot on, uh, on my mobile phone. And here, yeah. Yes, so I, I, agree with you. I, I think that uh, it should be the whole package. So the internet should be basically um, included. included with the laptop. That's, that's a very, very good uh, point. I absolutely agree with you. Okay, okay. Well, so what else do we have to, do, uh, to say about ARM? Well, uh, I don't know, what do you think the, that the future designs are going to be all about? Because what happened a couple of years ago, basically uh, Apple blindsided everybody by switching to 64-bit ARM. This was something that nobody expected, I'd say. Yes, I think that the next thing is going to be that uh, we are going to see even more specialized cores. And okay. I think that we are going to see a much higher core count that is not going to make sense anymore. You already have 128 cores in Ampere. Yes, best, but it is not going to make sense anymore. You're going to have a basically a spreadsheet, of course, on your uh, ARM processor. You're going to have uh, 18 cores for this, 12 cores for this, uh, 3 cores for this thing, and then another 4 cores for another thing, and so on and so on and so on. So basically, uh, core count is not going to make any sense anymore. You mean uh, as a marketing tool or as yes, a selling tool? Yes, as a marketing tool, tool as a both? selling tool. Nobody is going to be able to ever, uh, to understand what the, the processor is actually doing. Because right it's now... It's been like that for the, for for a couple of years now, and in people, a sense with GPUs as well. But People think to understand, uh, that they understand uh, the difference between uh, 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 power-efficient cores and uh, 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 cores that are able to do uh, more calculation versus... Uh, cores that are dedicated to single task, like Bluetooth, like wireless, whatever. Okay. And I think that this is, even this is going to be completely um, removed from the market and people are just going to say, okay, this is an ARM processor. Mm -hmm. You're going to get a hybrid or a synthetic uh, result for the speed and this is going to be it. You think that we're going to get back into tinkering? Mm, yes. 
basically uh, buying, let's say, a lot of small specialized devices, hooking them together, creating our own some kind of a let's say computer or i see i see a big problem with this because uh what you were uh, when you talked about uh lacking uh options for connectivity on the newer laptops i think this is going to get even worse mm -hmm. uh because if you have a laptop that has an uh, integrated arm 12 different uh, specialized cores and then uh, a multiply of that uh, for different cores so a huge core count a huge number of different specialized cores uh, the connectivity itself is not going to matter anymore. So they're going to just leave it behind. No, me, me no like that. Yes, this is this is just what I see as a, as a problem. Also, I see that uh, we are uh, slowly, uh, based on what Apple is doing right now, people are slowly losing their mind about uh, laptops. Because... In, in which way? Uh, right now, I have a feeling like Apple has absolutely no idea how big a laptop should be. Uh, they don't have an idea uh, how a laptop should be behaving because they have hit a point where the speed doesn't matter anymore. They hit that point years ago. Yes, but today with the uh, M1 and M2, uh, they have hit the point where the speed actually doesn't matter anymore. Mm -hmm. Because uh, back way then, if you had a huge laptop with, a, I don't know, 16 or 17-inch uh, screen or 20-inch screen, you knew that this is going to have uh, to require a power brick that is going to be bigger than the laptop. Mm -hmm. You knew that uh, this is going to be a 300 watt uh, plus uh, laptop. And right now, with the pr uh, processor that they have, it can be a normal laptop regardless of the screen size. Mm -hmm. So they have a problem with selling you uh, because they don't, the, uh, people don't know why should they buy a more expensive laptop. Mm -hmm. And the only difference is right now is the screen. Okay. Agreed. And the keyboard, that is going to be awful uh, based on all the criteria that Apple is doing with uh, their keyboards. <laughs> so uh, th these are the things that are making, uh, making, uh, uh, creating uh, a difference that um, gives you the idea of why different uh, models should be apart mm -hmm. in the Apple uh, ecosystem. And this is weird. Okay, I agree. We used to have a, a, sm a slow, small laptop that was for everyday use and then a performance laptop for whatever you wanted to do can i give you a challenge which one find me a keyboard yes desktop keyboard yes that doesn't have low profile keys that has the keyboards that you and i like okay so those keycaps and the the, the background mechanism which you can hook up to multiple computers at the same time i'm giving you from now till the end of time because every single one that I was able to find, to your point, yes, is low-profile keyboard. You know I cannot use that because I'm going to break it uh, probably and in the first five minutes of using. As, as I said, you are not a normal user. I'm no. So this is this is completely out of the uh, out of the scope of the, the discussion, <laughs> because you are going to have to uh, either buy a keyboard that has uh, low-profile keys and sucks, nope. and then do and then do a little bit of tinkering and soldering, and then uh, translate the I brains. I have the opposite the... idea. Yes, you're going to get me some more of the good old IBM keyboards from okay. the 80s, and then we're going to do tinker, tinkering and soldering. And repurposing, let's say, 6502s or something and create some Bluetooth things. I'm much more inclined to do stuff like that. What I would just imagine is you using an iPad, um, uh, a Mac Air with the Model M keyboard. <laughs> that, that would be hilarious. But anyways. How to, uh, how to break a keyboard in two minutes. I'm going to do it. Yes, because you're used to typewriters, you're that old. Uh, anyways. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm a piano player. That's the problem. <laughs> Not only the, the typewriters, although you are co completely correct. Uh, okay. Uh, 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 let's finish this thing up. You want to wrap it up? Okay, I agree. Uh, what do you think the future holds for ARM in the next three to five years? I said my, my piece, you, need, you now need to say your. I just said, I just said, uh, massive multi-core, massive multi uh, no, no, no. From the market perspective, do you think that they are going, going to break on desktop? Yes, yes. Um, I'm going to say that in the three to five years, uh, I see. I see that they are going to take away first. They are going to definitely break in on the laptop market, okay. and the desktop market is going to be a tough one because the desktop market right now is uh, increasingly shrinking, 
and it is almost i wouldn't say disappearing but it is uh, winding down to numbers that we haven't seen for the last five years or so so they're losing they're losing market share they're losing the number of units and i don't see that the arm itself is going to break into the market i see that the arm itself is going to just go to the market and then uh, they're going to realize a lot of uh, basically big market share with a lot uh, smaller number of units that uh, everybody expects because the market is going to keep shrinking and the arm is going to be one of those things that is going to be keeping the market alive okay sounds reasonable uh, especially in the in the play in the part of the market where we when we are dealing with the business computers what about gaming mm, i don't know i honestly don't know i i see very tough times ahead of arm for that uh, desktop, I, I, I honestly don't know because I know how simple or uh, complicated uh, it can be to port something to a different architecture. Yeah, you have some experience. And uh, I know that uh, porting to ARM, although there, the, all the tools are still there, is going to be a big problem for the gaming market, especially for the more complicated games. Because a lot of people there depend on, they still depend on understanding the hardware uh, to the very, very, very low, low level. Mm -hmm. And uh, them switching over to ARM is going to be a tough sell for a couple of years. Mm -hmm. Because they know enough about uh, x84, x64 and the x86 uh, to be able to optimize a lot of things directly. So they have a big problem with switching to new architecture. I would kind of argue that it's a little bit less trainers than what it used to be. And Apple ecosystem proved that a couple of years ago when they switched from Intel to ARM. Yes, but uh, gaming on Apple is non-existent. No, I'm not talking about gaming. No. Just but, the general yes, but, use case. Game, gaming it, is a different topic. Yes, but general use case, Windows has Office on ARM, has Windows on ARM. You just need the hardware and you can uh, do a, cre a creative business computer. So soon it's going to be WinRAR on ARM. Uh, yes, uh, integrated. <laughs> oh, oh, god, okay, okay. Well, that's a wrap on this episode of that IT show podcast. We'll see you in the next episode, and until then, thank you. See ya, bye, bye.